Hey, this is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman, and this is Mind Over Magic. Yo, we got so much to get into today, man. Yeah. You got an Apple Pencil. I don't even know what that is. I got an Apple Pencil. I also want to talk about isolating and uh, how that's going to be affecting all of us after this pandemic yeah. over. And there was something else, too. Yeah, you want to talk about magic. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 it's, yes. It's in the title. It's Are you in a the Chan title, Canasta? So. <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on Chan Canasta? Are you familiar? You're a mentalist. I feel like you got to know Chan Canasta. Yeah, he's one of those kind of like mythical figures almost of just like how many risky stuff he did, which is Can amazing. Can we get into this? What's your knowledge of Chan Canasta? Have you seen video, the few videos that exist of him performing? Have you read about him? What's your exposure? Yeah, I don't want to go into you know too much of the details because, I mean, it's definitely kind of uh, inspires some of the stuff that I do in my show, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to mm-hmm. give any way. It's, this is a podcast for general listeners to listen to, so we're not going to get into the weeds per se, but... Um, he he's kind of known. Uh, well, he does a lot of card stuff. But what's your exposure to him? Oh, I've just uh, you know read some books of his and uh, you a know, remarkable uh, man. Have you read that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and seen the the clips uh, of the old television talk shows that he's been on and fascinating stuff. He's one of those guys that just like he would try stuff and like kind of hope it worked, <laughs> which is so great. And I just love that element of it. But he was so in control that like he was pretty positive that he was going to get to a successful outcome. Yeah. His sec, his psychological techniques were unbelievable in just taking something that could be mm-hmm. chance left a chance. And instead of 50%, now it's a 90% chance yeah. that he's going to hit. I mean, yeah. those techniques are in my opinion, like real magic and yeah. yes, he is interesting in that he was a mentalist really, right. but did almost exclusively card tricks. Yeah. Yeah, which exactly. is, you know, I'm sure you have something to say about that, right? I mean, everyone has their own take on something, but you're not big on mentalists using cards. You're not against it either because no. you do occasionally. Yeah, I but. think it has to be in the right context. Uh, and again, it depends on the performer and what fits them. So obviously he made it work for the way he did mentalism. Uh, but imagine the, that, of being a mentalist who pretty much exclusively uses right. cards aside from a book test. But it's also like uh, how how he's using them, right? So he's not doing these crazy sleight of hand and flourishy and showing off like he's a magician. To him, it's just 52 objects. And had they been, you know, if there was another system in this world of just a bunch of objects that are recognizable to people and could, you know, instantly know of, <laughs> like these are just happen to be like little pasteboards with pictures on them that we're all familiar with from playing cards, you know, and, and, and games. But he had definitely they been- had a love for those pasteboards yeah yeah because even the book test incorporates card ideas Mm -hmm. there are no card there's no cards in the trick but like some of the techniques like ah that's that's comes from card magic you know right right yeah so i i like them from and, and this is one of the reasons i got into mentalism too uh so these are kind of related is uh there's an improv element with what he does Totally. Right? So my background in improv, comedy, and everything like that, like I realized when I'm on stage as a mentalist, you kind of have to be on your toes because you never know really what people are going to be saying. Uh, you can have ideas of what those outcomes are going to be, but you're going to be ready. you got to be able to adapt. you got to adjust in the moment uh, mm-hmm. to get to that, that successful conclusion. 
So I always recommend for anyone, especially getting into mentalism, but I'm sure it also applies to, you know, what you do with magic and just audience participation and trying to uh, make sure everything's streamlined. Because you never know if you bring someone up on stage during your Vegas show, if they're going to be listening to your instructions and following them to a T and you got to be in the moment reacting. I, I recommend for any performer, like having some improv chops, like take an improv course or or something like that, just so that you're at the ready and uh, willing to go if something goes off the rails. And, uh, you know, Canasta lived kind of a little bit off the rails a lot of times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was a gambler for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Are you yeah. studying him like exclusively? Is that your next uh, kind of person you've been not exclusively, but I, I, I mean, I, I didn't just discover him either. Mm-hmm. I, I've been mm-hmm. aware of him for, for a bit of time and I've, and I've seen, but I, I recently rewatched some of those performances. Yeah. Um, Isn't YouTube great by the way? Like, yeah, <laughs> just able to, I mean, all of these old classic clips of going back and, you know, the black and white era of television and like just having that as a resource now and imagining like growing up in magic now and like you could watch not only the p- television specials that are going on right now, like uh, AGT or whatever and seeing magic every night or like so popular, but also like having that library to access all these legends that you're just reading about getting into it. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the answer to your question is I, I guess I'm studying just, just as always, I, I'm kind of always studying the general uh, psychological aspects uh, as they pertain to magic. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's something that I can continue to study for life. It's kind of endless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best way to study it is an actual practice, which I, I can't really do it's right hard now. To of course, do. we're still, yeah. Yeah. Like, not doing live shows, but the best thing we can do in the meantime, if you can't practice it live and in real time is to kind of, okay, learn from other experiences of people that, that really specialized in it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's, great. I love being a student of, of magic in general. That's all. So I'm just, just nerding out for a minute with you. <laughs> and I figured you would be, have a fascination with Chan Canasta as well. And you and I haven't really talked about him, even no, though we've no. known each other for as long as we have. And I would like to le- see more, you know, I mean, he's just one of those guys that just, uh, you know, he, I know he's inspired a lot of people's work and uh, you can see definitely elements in some of our colleagues as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, like you said, dive too deep in here, but like, have you seen him uh, miss the book test? Yeah. There's, yeah. Okay. And it's the most elegant yeah. handling of a miss I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just, the other thing is he's so cool and calm and collected for, Everything he does is just like, all right, we're going to just kind of shift a little bit and I'll get this way. And Do you consider him likable? He's an interesting character. I don't know. He's got this kind of air of mystique around him. And I think that's what people are drawn into. And I think that works in his favor, too. Again, if some of these calculated risks don't occur... He, I mean, that's the whole thing with mentalism too, is like, sometimes you're not going to make a connection anyway. So he kind of just plays it off as like, these are experiments that we'll try and hopefully they'll work. And if they do, that's amazing. And if not, we'll try something else. And he's just got that whole attitude. And I think the way he's presenting it with his character really, um, really draws people into it. So gray area, not a yes or no question then? Agreed. (laughs) 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 sounds like you're in a political debate the way you answered that question (laughs) yeah don't which i didn't mean to be a segue Um, no no no, but i just hats off to 
to Chan Canasta. Look, we're, uh-huh. we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and he's Absolutely. one of them. Uh, just, uh, just a little bit of a tribute there. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, you mentioned politics, and I didn't want to get too much into it. This is a this is a bank episode, by the way. Like uh, uh, we're recording this, uh, you know, uh, a week right after the pre- first presidential debate that happened, and we're not going to go into details. We talked about politics before on this podcast of how we really don't want to get into it, uh, you know. But I mean, there's a lot going on in the world right now. It's really hard, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems so important. And I know there's been a lot of criticism of like entertainers who get into politics. Uh, I don't know if you recently saw like Jim Gaffigan just go on a tear, right? Yes, I did actually. (laughs) And he's one of my favorite comedians. He's one of the guys that I, you know, when I started doing comedy, looked up to him and his jokes and uh, to see him who's always been like middle America, you know, topics about you know, food and, you know, being lazy and stuff like that for him to then break that out of that persona and go on social media and just really be critical of the current president. You know, it turned off a lot of his fans and they were like, stick to stick to comedy. But I think we talked about earlier. It's like we're Americans, too, and we're going to have opinions, you know, as entertainers. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I agree. I think we want to get to a point where we're not all just talking about politics anymore. Yeah, (laughs) but when you have it's really just seeped in because it's every day a different news story, a different thing that you got that's coming at you. And I'm just looking forward to the day when, you know, we could go a week or two and not think about what's happening in the government or, you know, it's not the top priority anymore. It doesn't seem as dire. Yeah, I look forward to that day as well, whenever it may be. And I will tell you. I, one thing I respected about the whole way that uh, Gaffigan did handle the the kind of uh, the bloodbath that followed, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sort of backlash, like you said, from fans saying, oh, I'm not going to buy a ticket to your show anymore and all yeah. that. Um, it, it, to me, and look, this is just my view. To me, it seemed like he wasn't doing this for publicity. No. And there will be people who argue and say that he did. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is the guy publicly came out and said, look, I'm not taking press inquiries right now. I'm, and he did. He waited yeah. a bit. Yeah. And, and this happened weeks ago, what, yeah. a month ago? Mm-hmm. So that might not be true any longer. But, right. you know, being in this business, if he wanted to capitalize off of this Twitter rant in a pub, for the sake of his publicity, he would have been on the Today Show the next day and the Tonight Show the next night. Yeah. I mean, He's not gonna wait a month and then and then do those things. It was a it was a genuine building of outrage that just occurred naturally. It felt from it wasn't like he was trying to just capitalize off this moment to like play it up and like, oh, I could get famous from being critical and being political now. I mean Oh, and by the way, I'm selling a new yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. And it, I and and I don't think you can really spin it as that. And I think it's similar to like when Taylor Swift finally made like a political statement too. Right. Because after all this time, especially growing up with her country music background, I mean, she's such a superstar with so many followers that like the fact that she made a political stance, a lot of people were critical of that. And again, it's not like she was trying to get more famous. Like, how do you get more famous than Taylor Swift? Right. It's it's literally I think if it comes from a genuine concern, um, then it's, it's I think it's justified because this is affecting every single American uh, where we are right now. And uh, 
I don't know. Again, I just want to get to that point where, you know, uh, as entertainers can get back to just focusing on entertaining. <laughs> that would be nice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you have to admit, speaking of entertainment, the theatrics of politics oh, are really yeah. something to to mm-hmm. look upon. It's like, wow. It's almost like uh, the WWE. <laughs> yeah, there's one meme that I really enjoyed during the presidential debate last night that was, uh, and, I, and by the way, by the time this comes out, I'm, I think... The vice president debate already happened, so I mean, we'll we're going to try to avoid. Ago. Yeah, yeah, it's about two weeks ago when people are, you know, yeah. joining us for this conversation. Yeah. And uh, there might be seven more, if not more, political stories that come out of this by the time you're hearing this. So again, seven. Yeah, I just yeah, maybe Probably a lot more, more a lot more. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's, it's just ramping up. All of it's ramping up till November. And again, on this podcast, we'll try to avoid you know, as best we can to get that all out before we record so that you don't have to listen to our opinions. But I, uh, um, but the meme that I really enjoyed, and I'll just bring this up since you saw said WWE is like they had Trump and Biden going at each other. And then just they're like, and from the back, here comes Bernie Sanders with a steel chair (laughs) 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 running down the aisle. (laughs) Would you, how much would you pay to see the two, the two uh, candidates in the octagon? Uh, the the squared circle, as you say, the uh, yeah. a cage match. <laughs> what would you pay to see? Would you uh, would you no. pay to see them in the octagon? I didn't want to even. I could. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but I, the whole time I was just like, "This is bad." <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't want to be watching this. <laughs> this is uh, last podcast we did used a million dollar word, and every time mm-hmm. I try to use this word, I say it wrong. Transgenally, how do you say it? Ta- what, what word? Tra- trans. Tans and generally related. How do you say the T word? Tangent. Now I can't say it. Tans tangentially. Tan like on a tangent. Tangentially. Oh yeah. man! Now that yeah, now that I've so like, this really goes back about to your word. your your trigonometry background where you got a circle and the line that kind of comes off of it. You're going. No, it's a, a great tangent. word and I never use it because I always <laughs> say it wrong. Tan- tangentially related. Yeah. I watched a documentary on Netflix uh, called Kiss the Ground, which had to do with environmental stuff. Have you heard about it at I all or not, no? Not at all. No. Narrated by Woody Harrelson. Uh, would I recommend it? I, I just I brought it up because it is tangentially <laughs> related. Um, and it's all about environmental stuff, which which I do take an interest in. Yeah. Uh, I do care about obviously right. uh, the the world we live in. Uh, would I recommend it? Yeah, I would recommend it. Is it the most entertaining watch you've ever had? No, but I think you will learn some things. I I, sure. I certainly did. But uh, Kiss the Ground, it was called, and it was narrated by Woody Harrelson, and it talks about how important dirt and soil is, which I didn't know. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, I could just tell by your, oh, wow, you're like, yeah, that show sucks, <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the environment is something to be concerned about. I mean, it's really just, it's all the things that are happening in the world right now are so interconnected in terms of, you know, policies, even just us in this pandemic right now and how we're going to get through this. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot is how, you know, obviously people are trying to open up the countries to get back to normal, but also being safe and it's just that weird balance of like how how much are we going to do that affects businesses and you know a lot of people hurting financially but also a lot of people like we passed the the what 200,000 200, death mark i mean it's just it's bad all around the whole situation's bad but i think i try to always look to the future and see how this is going to you know look look for when we get back to quote normal but I don't think we're ever going to get back or it's going to take a long time for us to feel normal again. 
And I'm just wondering about the effects of us being isolated and in our places and not seeing other human beings, how that's going to affect us in our daily interactions when the time comes to like gather again. Do you think, do you think that's going to make a major difference? Like, what do you, what do you see the results being? Well, look, I, this is super fun to speculate on. Yes. But we have to recognize it as speculation. Of course. We don't know. However, we're not we're not real uh, pro- prognosticators. <laughs> oh man, you and the million dollar words. <laughs> Used two in the last episode. Now you've got another one here. <laughs> um I do have some evidence of how it does affect some small things. By the way, I do have a prediction of what's gonna happen. It's just an envelope and then I'll open it <laughs> later. <laughs> It's hanging Mind in a reader. box. <laughs> um, I, I've definitely seen direct effects because I got a dog during the pandemic. You know, I yeah. had Pip already and now we have Pongo. Pongo is a straight up pandemic dog. Now, Tiana brought Pip everywhere mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we first got Pip. So he was socialized with lots of other dogs, loves people, lots of other people. Pongo, mm-hmm. whole different story. Shy. Uh, very little interaction with other dogs, very little interaction with people because although she brings them everywhere, there was nowhere she was going for right. quite some time. Um, nowhere we were going mm-hmm. for quite some time in the quarantine. So uh, we're still having trouble with like socializing him, taking him for walks, and he wants to bark at other dogs mm. every time he sees a person. <laughs> he... You know, even just like normal walking on a leash training, it's uh, it's we have a harder time because he hadn't been socialized. So like, yeah, if it affects dogs, does it have an effect on humans? That's a pretty big jump to make, but yeah. seems logical to me. What do you think? Do you think because of all these Zoom shows, uh, we're going to be better communicators with each other after the fact? Like, it's really hard to like talk over. I mean, it, it happens during our podcast during these times from time to time but i think people are more aware especially when you're on those big group calls like when you're trying to speak and someone else is speaking and you like the sound cuts out and you can't hear them do you think that's gonna affect how like we're gonna interact like you're gonna like say your piece and then stop and then actually like listen to what the other person says rather than like being so self-centered about like thinking about what you're gonna say next that's true that's interesting um I wonder if communicating through Zoom does maybe help us build a a greater ability to to pay attention if you're trying. Mm-hmm. Because in person, it's much easier to, to hold and keep someone's attention. It's also easier for us as a listener to pay attention. Right. You're engaged. There's direct eye contact. Um, but through this medium, I think it requires a little bit or maybe a lot more of focus to really stay engaged the whole time especially if it's a group yeah i think there has to be 20 people yeah there has to be more intent right like you have to really be like i'm in this meeting i'm gonna focus and i found that out i talked a little bit about these zoom shows i was watching um last episode and i think uh i i even made this note to you know one of my friend's shows i saw is like you really don't know what's going on in the surrounding areas of the audience member who's watching your show. So it's not like you're in a theater where you're telling everyone to turn their phones off and everything's, you know, everyone's got the atmosphere of the lights down, the audience is dim, they're focused on the bright light on stage. 
It's like if you're in a Zoom show and you're in an audience, like I could have the cat running by or I don't have a cat, but in your situation, a cat running by or any animal or like even just a notification on your phone that's sitting next to the desk and then takes your pulls your attention away from that conversation or that show you're watching on Zoom to like, oh, I got to check this or the notifications that pop up on your computer screen itself. So you really don't know what is distracting people. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have a cat, but the person no. watching might. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, like, they, or they got to go let the dog out, or their phone rings, and they have to take a call, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I don't know if people still take calls. I might be the only person that still <laughs> no, uses people like the phone calls. to make calls. Um, <laughs> By the way. Yeah, there's all sorts of distractions. My but, favorite thing is, in a meeting, if there is an animal that walks by, I have to see the animal. I have I stopped the meeting and be like bring bring show me that cat or show me that dog. <laughs> Same thing. I wish my cat were up here while we were doing yeah, this cast yeah. right now. I really do actually. And That'd when you great. were you were doing the live show live Facebook shows where you're just trying out some magic stuff for the first few weeks of the pandemic and uh when I was watching those shows I always made sure to be like bring out the animals at the end. <laughs> the, Every the time part. in the chat. <laughs> Guaranteed. I want to see those fluffy things. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you were such an animal lover until I did those. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> like animals, and it's maybe just because I never had one. <laughs> You've never had a pet. Wow. I did have a fish. It's not as okay. fluffy. <laughs> no, I think that's count. I think that mm-hmm. counts because there's responsibility there, right? Yeah, but I mean, fish don't live that long. Some might. It was a little, It was yeah, this one was like a beta fish. You won this at a carnival? <laughs> no, I was just like, I, I think I was like, I need a pet, and we never like, could do like a full responsibility of a you know an actual like house cat or house pet or dog right, or whatever. Right. So it's like a fish, I guess we'll try it. I maybe yeah. sat a dog a couple of times, but uh yeah, no. I uh it's one of those things I'm like, oh maybe maybe now that I'm home, maybe <laughs> maybe an animal might be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not well, on I the road as much. Pet dad. But yeah, but that's the problem yeah. is that you do travel. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. Unless I make that's the tough. animal part of the act that I travel with the the animal. Make it your re- retirement plan. Uh, but I want now. I'll have to retire soon. Patience <laughs> is a virtue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. The uh, I'm just curious how else it's going to kind of affect people. I think people might miss the uh, the mute button in person after this. <laughs> like if you're having a conversation and someone is talking over you, or like, or if you're in like a group of friends hanging out and they're just talking about something that you're not super interested in or you're left out of, you're going to be like, man, I really wish I could mute them right now. You know what I think? I think there's going to be a point where people are like, can't wait to not be doing the Zoom stuff anymore. Right? No, I think that's the goal, right? People are doing it because they have to a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And even just like from the, like I said, the couple in-person shows I've done, I think people are starved for that human interaction of being in the same place and, you know, having that common goal. So the few shows that I have done, the audiences have been pretty good. You know, they're really excited to, to, to have something that's not in front of a screen because it's training on your eyes, really. Right. You know, that too. So I'm just fascinated to see how much of the human behaviors are going to be affected. I mean, there's also studies about uh, loneliness, right? Of If you're not having human contact with other people, as, you know, it can lead to depression, and then depression leads to, like, self-centeredness. Or, or no, the other way around. So, like, I think it's a loop, actually. Like, you're when you're by yourself, you're, you're focusing on just what you're doing and not necessarily you feel disconnected from other people, and that empathy could be gone. 
And then when you're self-centered on yourself a lot, you're thinking about what other people think of you. And that could lead, as we talked about with the social dilemma, a lot of that depression. And then that just spirals back into self-centeredness going inward. And it could be a tough loop to break. Well, speaking of selfishness, I mean, we really can't speak for other people. Yes. Has the isolation... Has the isolation had an effect on you? Uh, I mean, it was a big deal to see the family that I saw a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that was great. And, uh, of course. And I've had, I mean, I've been, I, I'm happy living online. You know, I'm just, I'm used to that kind of stuff with, you know, these conference calls are great. I've Like we said in the previous episode, like I've probably seen more people that I have not seen in a long time because we're able to just connect now virtually. But, uh, you know, I still try and get out. I have a small little bubble. We've kind of kept self-quarantined together. I only see, like, one or two other friends, and they only see me. And so we're not, like, going out spreading possibilities of this COVID anywhere. Right, right. But but we'll meet up on a rooftop and hang out every once in a while, every couple of weeks or so. And that's good. It's good for the soul. But do you think soul. it's affected you socially? Has it has it ruined your ability to socialize at a dinner with people you haven't seen in a while or something? Well, I haven't had that opportunity to do that yet, <laughs> so we shall see. Do you think, or you think no? I, you feel totally comfortable. You wouldn't have any social anxiety. No, I don't think I'll have social anxiety. Do you never have social anxiety? Not really. I mean, yeah. there's moments when I'm in my shell a bit. Like I definitely remember being at parties or something where I'm just like, all right, I don't belong here, or this is my scene, or whatever, and I'll. I'll I kind of be stubborn a little bit about like getting to know and talk to people I don't know at times. And, you know, we're all I think we're all just generally more comfortable talking to people we know. And I think mm-hmm. it takes certain personalities or forcing yourself to get out of that comfort zone to like be like, I'm going to talk to this random stranger, see what their deal is. Yeah. So it's, I think it's like that's always been there for me. So, yeah, it's it's for me. Uh, there is a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of feeling like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Um but I do think it's like riding a bike. I don't think it has mm-hmm. a detrimental effect, but I'm an adult. I, right. I don't have children. I don't right. know how this affects oh, yeah. you know, children's experiences of not being in school for this long at a time when they're really a sponge. I'm, I just can't speak to it. And there's such a social aspect of school, right? To, to, that's where you develop a lot of your personality, see what your friends are into and you know, find your people. And if you're all at home just doing lessons, like you really don't have that social ability. I imagine like young students are like just desperate for those moments before the teacher logs in or or whatever where they could just hang around with each other and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But again, it's mm-hmm. hard to do even when you have a large group to like really feel connected to anyone. I remember we did like a college, you know, sort of reunion right after you know, this pandemic hit to be like, oh, let's get everyone from college together. And it was like cool to see everyone, but you couldn't really have those conversations to those people to be like, really get to know. And like, what have you been up to and really dive deep? It was all kind of surface level. I think I, I, I have something interesting on the same, on the same token here. I, I mentioned on the last podcast that I, I saw a concert outdoors in my community that, that, mm-hmm. that was put on and there was, Full social distancing, uh, where y- y- they had all these six foot squares where literally no one's near you within six feet in any direction. Right. And so people put down blankets. It's an outdoor thing, and people are far from you. And in the moment, it feels weird. And it feels, uh, I, as a performer, I feel sympathetic towards the band who is right. <laughs> isolated up on the 
temporary stage that's built for them. And you feel like it's probably not their favorite gig to play. Sure. And you can sympathize with that. However, as the concert goer, I'm not sure it really took away from my experience. Mm. When I remember back, I remember what the performers were wearing. I remember how they sounded. I remember thinking the band was tight and sounded really good. And uh, different singers took turns doing different. They were doing all Woodstock sort of 70s and The Who and covering different groups. So sometimes... um, a female lead singer would come out and do Janis Joplin. Then a guy would come out and do The Who. And I remember it all pretty in the same way I remember other concert experiences. You know how you don't remember the details of the show you saw necessarily, but you remember how it made you feel? Yeah. I don't remember feeling weird now in retrospect about the social distancing aspect of it. But we as performers are super self-conscious of, oh man, this is going to be tough because everyone's not packed together close the laughs aren't going to be contagious all of that stuff are we just really perfectionists (laughs) yeah i think it's uh i mean you know the difference between a good show and a bad show as a performer because i think a lot of that has to do sometimes with just the energy in the room and like that's almost that sixth sense we develop as performers sometimes and the more feedback you're getting from the audience the more you're going to want to put out and appease that crowd that's into that or you know when you have to dive deep and like really work to get a crowd on your side. So I don't know how conscious an audience is in reverse when a performer's trying to do that. Uh, I think they can sense whether they're enjoying the show or not, and that's about it per se. But if it's like, this guy's lost the room, oh, really, he's digging in. Uh, look at him go, <laughs> trying to win us back. <laughs> I think good perform. You said we know the difference between a good show and a bad show. You mean from on stage or from in the crowd? What do you mean? Um, I think from on stage. I knew that. I thought that's yeah. what you meant. Yeah. But, uh, well, <laughs> obviously <laughs> green performers who are getting sure. into it don't necessarily know when they're bombing, number mm-hmm. one. But that's not what I mean. I mean, uh, experienced performers, I think we're probably, overall, I'm generalizing, harder on ourselves. No, uh, where true. we think something's a bad show, but mm-hmm. I think many times people might say, wow, that was a 10 out of 10. That was yeah. so cool. Well, is is it because they just don't have anything to compare it against? Like you're doing the same show back to back to back. So you could see like, oh, this one didn't get the reaction that the last show did. But like no. an audience member coming in is like, I haven't seen the show yet. So they're coming in with fresh eyes. So anything you do is going to be at this higher level. I don't know. I think the experience they feel no matter what we can't argue with. Right. I think if their experience and they felt a certain way, mm-hmm. I don't know that we can argue with them and say, no, this was really a five right. out of well, ten. Well, you, you never want to say can. that after a show to an audience. No, but I'm saying too. I don't think we have a leg to stand on in that mm, argument. I think mm. they're correct because they're the end user, right? Yeah. They're the end. Um, it's it's really they're they're the boss kind of in a way. Yeah, I hear um, what you're saying. And and you can't sit in the audience of your own show, and I think it sounds different from that perspective. I recently saw show footage uh, that I had never seen. Mm-hmm. Of my own show, and now mind you, I haven't done a show, and it's today right. that we're recording this is the 200th day. Wow! And uh, so it really felt like I wasn't even watching myself. <laughs> That's a nice feeling because like I a hate very watching myself. Out of body experience. Yeah, but this was footage that was recorded not from just our back of the house, uh, front of the house, back of the, whatever you want to call it. We have a camera, but it doesn't really pick up. It picks up audio directly from the soundboard. Mm-hmm. So 
it, the 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 video footage I normally see if I need to review something in the show to see how it's uh, how it looks right. uh, I normally just watch that camera which mm-hmm. just records basically my microphone and sound directly from the soundboard what does that mean that means you're not hearing the audience right. other than what my little mic is picking up which basically when you watch it it just feels like the audience hates everything because you can't hear them <laughs> Um, which is fine. I understand that. But I saw footage that was recorded from in the audience that we did. Yeah. And I couldn't believe the energy and what it felt like. I even the show where I walk off stage feeling like, wow, that was the best energy ever. I it, watching footage from recorded in the house. It felt like a whole different energy than I've ever experienced from being on the other side. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, just getting that feedback and like really knowing what they're experiencing. That's amazing. Now I wonder, I want to go back and I watched a couple of clips from different nights. Like, what did I walk off stage thinking? Did I walk off stage going, wow, that was a 12 out of 10? Or did I think, oh man, we got to do this better. We got to do this better. We got to do this better. I think we're probably hard on ourselves. No, I think that's definitely part of it. And I think... You really, like you said, you really don't know what the audience is experiencing unless you're doing those exercises. And I think that's why it's really encouraged to, you know, video your shows and play them back like you do. And I don't know how many performers actually do that. I think at a certain level you do. And I think at a certain level you get past that once you really get a feel for what your show is and it's not as necessary. So funny you say that. Lance Burton <laughs> told me he recorded every show every night and he claimed. And maybe I misunderstood this when he told me this, but he <laughs> said, and I mean, I even pushed on it, you know, yeah. he said that he watched it every night. Oh yeah. Well, and some... I just can't imagine doing two shows and then going home <laughs> and watching, and, you the know, same the stage manager shows. would <laughs> back in those days, the stage manager would hand it to him on the way out mm-hmm. and he'd put it in the VCR or DVD player, whatever it ended up being at that time. And like watched, but not in full. I just can't understand that, but mm-hmm. uh, that's what he said. So, I mean, maybe there isn't a yeah. level where it, it, that has to stop. I don't know. Have you, have you done the thing where you don't put the camera on yourself? You just put it on the audience? No, no, no. I've never watched a full show that way. No. Yeah. Just to see where they're have reacting. You? I've done it once and I just hate watching any footage of me, really. That, so I, I do gotta, too. I do too. I got to get over to that. myself, not yeah. you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I hate watching you as well. <laughs> uh, so, uh. Like even just like some of the TV stuff too, it's always tough to watch those back sometimes and see. Is that right? See. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could say the same for sure. I mean, not not all of it, but some things. I'm like, you know, you just cringe watching yourself. Yeah, you're like, oh, I could have done that. I, it's hard for me to turn the director off too. That's the thing. Yeah. But I think that's helpful. Is once you get over that hump, then you can see the notes that you would give yourself, and then you know for next time. And I think that's what makes you a great performer if you do that I, often. I find the longer ago something was, the easier it is for me to watch. The more right. removed I am from it for some reason. Yeah, the more separate. But again, mm-hmm. depends how far back because like even watching some early stuff, I'm just like, ooh, I changed so much from back then and I would have mm-hmm. done it this differently or that differently. So Yeah, I don't know if we have footage of my opening night in Vegas, but I'm not interested in seeing it. <laughs> I, and you know, it was, I was a there wonderfully, for that. <laughs> wonderfully received show. <laughs> I'm sure I would not be, uh, I'm sure I'd be very critical because <laughs> yeah. it's been polished so much since then. Yeah. But anyway, that was, that was tangentially related <laughs> to isolation. I think we have an episode title for this. <laughs> <laughs> if I could spell it, I don't know. <laughs> tangentially. <laughs> are, you, are you ready for a riddle, Matt? Yes, sir. All right. Diddle me this. 
diddle me that will Eric end up stumping Matt Riddles. All right, Matt, diddle me this. A murderer is condemned to death. He has to choose between three rooms. The first is full of raging fires. The second is full of assassins with loaded guns. And the third is full of lions that haven't eaten in three years. Which room is safest for him? Do we know why he has to choose one of these three rooms? That's his punishment. He's he's condemned to death and he gets to choose how he dies through oh. these three torture rooms, <laughs> pretty much. Okay. And the first I'm was... Ju- I'm just adding context to the riddle as it's presented, but this is how okay. I imagined it. So I'll read okay. it again. A murderer is condemned to death. He has to choose between three rooms. The first is a room full of raging fires. The second is full of assassins with loaded guns. And the third is full of lions that haven't eaten in three years. Which room is safest for him? Got it. Yeah? You're pretty confident? Got it. Yeah. I think I do. I think I'm going to... I'm going to let the, uh, the uh, hopefully some of our listeners are playing along on this and maybe they haven't gotten it, it yet. Yeah. So I'm just making a statement here to give them a chance before I potentially ruin it for them. I will say I've never heard this riddle. Yeah, yeah. But I feel pretty confident that he would choose the room with the lions. Why is that? Because they're dead. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Yes. If they haven't eaten in three years, it sets up the assumption that they're just very hungry. But if they haven't eaten in three years, no, they, they probably aren't living anymore. If I'm being honest, that's one of my favorite ones so far. That's your favorite? I thought you'd like this one. It's a cool little uh, riddle. And I think uh, the logic behind it is really fun to figure out. It's amazing because this is what? Episode 14? Yeah. And uh, so that's 14 riddles. Yep. But I already feel like I've gotten better with like understanding a little bit about the way of thinking and how to interpret them. Yeah, the same thing happens with escape rooms, which which I know we've talked about. Is mm-hmm. you start to feel for the room after you do a lot of puzzles, you start to see the mechanisms behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we always say like, what is the room trying to say to us? You know, when we're doing escape room, it's like we're following oh, this is going to lead to this, even though we don't have that first element yet. We know it's eventually going to go to this direction. So once we have that, we know to go there. And once we have that, we know to go there. And it just kind of flows. So now just working out the details. Similar for a good riddle, I think, is there's only so many ways I think you can really manipulate. I mean, you know this from magic. So many ways to manipulate someone's attention or misdirect them or, you know, fool them in ways. You're always looking for new ways that are fun and clever. But deep down, it really boils down to, you know, you're making assumptions or wordplay or or something. And I think you're starting to feel more confident. You're definitely getting them faster than when we first started. For sure. For sure. I'm going to have to find harder riddles now. (laughs) I I think so, because I, I think I don't know. Do you think if you asked me this riddle on week one, I would have had a hard time? Probably. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. You're also geared now to look for that thing that will trip you up, I think. Right. You're primed. Right. Well, listen, one of my favorite riddles, you know, 14 weeks in, you're still coming in with fire. I'm, I appreciate it. I like it. <laughs> good, good, good. Hopefully our listeners are enjoying that too. And if you've got a riddle that you think uh, will stop Matt since he's becoming an expert, 
send them my way. I'm happy to read them. Uh, put Eric in in the uh, subject or Eric Riddle uh, so that you know I'm to open it up so Matt doesn't open it up by mistake and get the uh, answer. Uh, and you can email us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll also say uh, if you have a trivia question for me, just do the reverse. Put Matt in the subject line trivia. Yes. So that way Matt knows great to open idea. it up so that I don't open it up and see the answer. No, mm. that's a great idea. And th- look, that's a great way to reach us. You know, a lot of times people, uh, I, you know, I try to stay in touch on social media platforms and, and you know, it's it's hard to respond to everything, right? So, yeah. but this is a way you can reach us very directly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so if you have something you want to tell us or let us know what you're thinking mm-hmm. and, if, uh, and if you're listening to this right now, Reach on out. We we love to hear from you. So yeah. and and we'll probably do some more mailbags where we actually read some of these messages uh, or if, with permission. Yeah. Uh, right here on the air. Yeah. One more time. That's mindovermagicpodcast at gmail But I think it's trivia time, Matt. Yes, Matt sir. Picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure. 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 Trivia. Pressure. Trivia. All right, what do you got for me? I'm feeling confident that you're probably going to have an answer on this. Okay, good. And I will tell you with certainty, I would not get this correct. <laughs> I wouldn't ha- I I don't think I would even be able to come up with an answer like that would be possibly correct. Mm-hmm. Um maybe with multiple choice, depending sure. on what those choices are, but okay. certainly not a guarantee. But something tells me, here we go. Enough teasing. Yeah. Something we we deal with, all of us deal with and see almost every day, but probably don't think about. Okay. But you're the type of person who would. <laughs> okay. What does HTTP stand for? Oh, jeez. Uh, you're getting very specific with these uh, trivia questions. All the ones where you have to know, like, the specific knowledge. Like, I was really hoping for, like, you know, name this plot point in a movie or, you know, this character or something. Okay, so. Uh, well, look, I mean, if you H-T-T-T. were at a trivia night, yeah. if you were at a trivia night, I think this would be a fair question for a group. Yeah, maybe. For a group. Now, it's tough for one person, obviously. I think I know the P, but I don't know the HTT. <laughs> Apple. All right. Well, let's let's talk about that. What are you thinking? Um, I think the last one is protocol. So it's you are. Like a, I mean, can I tell you? I yeah. feel like I can help you with this. That yeah. is correct. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. It's like a, I can't. So I mean, I think it's fair to say, and I can't really come up with like reasonable options for this yeah. without really trying. But I think you know, as the long as they I don't knew that all, much is pretty as long good. as they don't all end in protocol. Yeah. I mean, even if two of them did, you already mm-hmm. have it narrowed down to two. Right, if it was so multiple choice. I would say you're off to a very strong start. Okay. Are there multiple choice for this? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'd be able to come up with, like, without making them outlandish, it'd be hard to come up with mm-hmm. some that seem reasonable yeah. or making them too similar. Right. Like, because th- there's two T's. You could even just switch those two words. Like, I want to say the H stands for, like, hyper or something. That is like that. also correct, man. <laughs> that is also correct. Hyper. I love how you're solving this the same way you would solve something in a mentalism show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm yeah. getting hyper slowly, really. I, I'm thinking you know the whole thing, and you're going to start guessing letters now. <laughs> uh, now, now uh, I also like when they like throw that little S at the end, the HTTPS, to show it's secure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. right. 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're right. That's not part of this. Um, no, it's not. You're right. You really are doing this like a mentalism I'm reveal. Just throw Now focus on the second word. How many letters? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say like one of the T's got to be like something like technical or tech related. Uh, uh, sound, it, it, yeah. No, but it sounds like that right. last word that you said. Technical. One syllable and it sounds very similar to it. Tech. Tech. Yeah, it follows the word hyper. 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 I'm not going to get the T's. I already know. I've, I've already just strung together all the things that were in like my mind map around HTTP. Well, look, look Hi- hyper, tech, hyper, hyper tech is not a phrase, but hyper. Mm. Take tech a little further. Just one tech, syllable, though. Tech, techno. Tech. Tech. <laughs> Technetics? That's not a no, word. No, one syllable. One syllable. Te- tech? Hyper. It's encoding, right? What do you use encoding? Coding is made up of what? Oh, these. I'm not getting these hints at all. Well, what is coding <laughs> made up of? Uh, type. <laughs> also known as? Text. Text. Hypertext. Hypertext blank protocol. What are you doing with the text? Typing. Yeah, you're sending it, right? Another word for Transmitting. that. Transmitting. Very, very close. That That's it, but that's the idea. That's just not the exact word. Hypertext. Uh, Trans. You're just going to have to tell me. Fur. Transfer, Transfer okay. protocol. I got I got 50% on that. I'll give you it did. To me. No, you actually <laughs> literally landed 50%, and uh, that's impressive. I, I I honestly am like legitimately... I really want to know what people listening, like <laughs> if they knew that or not. Yeah, yeah. How hard was that question? I, I think some people who are very computer, like I know a lot of people who are super into computers and I'm sure that was a super easy question and it's something that we use all the time. Although we use it a lot less now because you can just type in either like www dot and then a, a URL or even without the www, you just type in like, you know, google.com or whatever. We never type it in anymore. Yeah. We never type it in, but it's always, I think it is there. It shows up, yeah, on yeah, the browser. And I'm yeah. sure, like, again, the, the that kind of outlier thing where people who were really into computers, like the Bill Gates, when it was coming up and computers were being developed and becoming more popular, I think that was like just probably ingrained at them at that time. You know, there's all these other things like, you know, ISN and, you know, uh, IPs and, you know, all these other initials. There's just so many when it comes to uh, to tech as well. True. And, you know, uh, like, do you know what WWW stands for? I got that one. Do I get extra points for, Worldwide web. for World Wide Web? <laughs> yes, sir. Is COM short for commercial dot com? Is that just not an acronym? It's a abbreviation of commercial? Uh, I'll say that sounds great without looking. <laughs> <laughs> you sound great. That sounds like it makes sense for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, that was what a tough one. Got? That was a tough trivia. Uh, no, you know what? Yeah. Like I said, I think that one was probably better suited for a group. Uh, a lot of groups of friends uh, mm-hmm. have that that computer science friend, right? That yeah. tech tech friend who who would have that answer at least with a multiple choice i mean and frankly you would have been that guy if there were multiple choice because you had the protocol and you had the hyper Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah yeah there you go good job speaking of tech i got an apple pencil now i've not heard of an apple pencil i believe Mm -hmm. apple stores have reopened now is that correct um maybe i haven't left my place to find out wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute apple pencil that's the thing that comes with the you get it with the ipad 
well, that's that's misleading. You have to buy it. <laughs> it doesn't come yeah, with the you, iPad. You but it, you choose to purchase it for your iPad. It's an accessory for the iPad. Yeah. Is it an accessory for the new iPad or just iPads? So there's uh depends on which iPad you have. There's two versions of the Apple Pencil. There's the first generation. That's the one I have. That just fits with my newest iPad Air, I believe. But then if you get the Mac iPad Pro, I believe the iPad Pro, the bigger one, that's like supposed to just replace your you know laptop. <laughs> Uh, that there's like a different pencil and there's just subtle differences between the pencils. So the one I have, it's, it's basically a stylus, um, but it's fun because I wanted to start using my iPad more to actually like write notes and to, you know, draw and make things. So uh, especially as I'm doing more graphics for like my virtual show and just other projects I'm working on to like fine tune with actual like a stylus to like really draw. That's why I got it to play around with. Uh, there's a little bit of a learning curve. I've actually downloaded some apps to uh, help teach me how to draw using the Apple yes. Pencil. So that's so, fun. <laughs> Tiana's doing the same thing, and I didn't realize. So I lied when I said I don't know what an Apple Pencil is. <laughs> there's one in my house. Uh, <laughs> I don't use it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, I'm familiar with the Apple Pencil. I just wasn't associating it with an iPad. I was thinking this was, like, some new version of, like, you know, how there's an Apple Watch that doesn't necessarily sure. – work in conjunction with another Apple product. But that's cool. Yeah, the drawing stuff on there is really cool that you can do. Well, it's pressurized too. So it can tell when you're like putting more pressure, make the line bold and everything. And you can even like shade by like tilting it to the side as if you're like using a real pencil to shade off the like the the, the thick part. Right, it picks up on those dynamics. That's cool. And the second generation is interesting. If I had an uh, iPad Pro, I probably would have gotten this. Uh, But like... One of the things that I like of the the second generation is there's a flat side to the pencil so it doesn't like roll away from you. So, I mean, that's not even like a technical thing. It's just like, that's a design thing that they're like, oh yeah, that's a problem we solved. (laughs) These pencils are rolling. Uh, And then there's like things with the second generation where you can double tap to, you know, change the function of that. But I mean, it's not necessary for, for what I need it for. So, but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having fun drawing and figuring that out. I got to give you props on the segue, by the way. You had no idea the question I was going to ask you had anything to do with tech. <laughs> no, not, not at all. If I was listening to this, I'd be like, oh, it's all fixed. He must have known the question ahead of time because how did he just have this Apple Pencil right out of the gate? If I knew the question ahead of time, I would have looked it up and got it right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. So you, you, have you drawn some things? Yeah, there's um there's one I'm doing that's doing like a lot of figure drawing of like animals and basic shapes that just use like one of those line one line drawings. Have you ever seen with like one pen where you're trying to make like the shape but never lift up your pen? Yes. I think those are so cool. I think mm-hmm. those are really fun. It's very abstract sometimes. You kind of have to like step back to really see it. So that's one of the courses I'm doing right now. Uh, I was just going through and figuring out just to get used to feeling that pen and seeing how responsive it is. And it's really great and it's really fun. And then also I'm just playing around with all the Adobe Suite stuff of like, you know, drawing and sketching and and that kind of stuff, too. Um, But, you know, eventually I want to start using it to like help storyboard. I'm, I'm in the process of like always working on a new show or project and just trying to find other ways and tools and mediums to do it. And I was I I. I realized this was a better option because you can like take the picture, the screenshot when you're done designing it or save it as a file, as opposed to my process prior. Like when I was developing my virtual show, I would bust out this whiteboard 
and just start mind mapping stuff with a dry erase marker. <laughs> and then like I'd figure out what I wanted this to look like. And then when that project was done, I just had to erase it. And then the next project I was working on, you know, whether it's writing a book or whatever, I would just have to, I'd lose that all when I erased it and just, you know, start my next mind map or anything like that. So, uh, so having the ability to save those diagrams, I was literally Very just cool. taking photos of them on my phone and I had a folder of just pictures and I was like, are I you, need to are you organized? Are you organized with that stuff currently? Like the, I mean, you said you took pictures of it and it's mm-hmm. in a folder on your phone, but like what your creative process, is it organized or disorganized? Um, pretty disorganized probably. Mine too. I wish it was like, I, I, I wish there was a, I don't know. I wish I was probably better at that. Yeah. And I think there has to be a little bit of a messiness when it comes to creativity, just to be, you know, comfortable and things come to you at different times. So like, I think just having a place, like I know you keep notebooks, I keep notebooks and just having a place to put all your ideas when they come to you helps organize it a little bit, but you know, you never know when that inspiration is going to really strike. You can force it as much, you know, certain times, but Sometimes when you sit down and be like, I need to be creative now is the biggest barrier to being creative. Do you categorize your notebooks or do you just have one that you work from and then you go through it and start a new one? I do most of my note taking now on um, Evernote, which is uh, just a app on your phone or your desktop. And it just stores all my notes uh, in the cloud. uh, And I do arrange those by subject matter. But a lot of the entries are just kind of like, this is an idea. I've actually done something. I, I think I learned this to uh, from Andrew Main, actually, uh, who's a magician out of L.A. He's had a couple TV shows. Uh, very, very smart guy. Author. He's he's a Renaissance man, really. He's and, a charismatic person too. I met him at the Magic Castle, and yeah. uh, you know, it was almost just like, you know, I, I I didn't have to say anything when he was around. He was just holding court. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. wherever he was, there was just like, it was almost like a group of people just standing, wanting to listen to whatever he was saying. You know, yeah. I just remember him having a presence. Oh, that's you know? great. Yeah. 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 And I think that might be the only time we met and uh, it was very nice. Yeah. I've never met him in person, but I feel like I know him from some of the podcasts that he does. I mean, it's amazing with that medium, you know, you really get to know someone or at least feel like you do, but he had a tip one time. Uh, where he just, um, you know, Google Forms, you can make Google Forms and they send it to like, you can enter things into the form and it organize, organizes them into an Excel spreadsheet or rather a Google Sheets form. But uh, I have little shortcuts on my phone of different things for ideas that come up to me. So I have a, a quick little hotkey for mentalism ideas for my show. I have one for comedy ideas and then one for like just little bits of dialogue. So when I'm walking around or whatever, something comes to me, I just have that quick shortcut on my phone. I type into my, into the form there, whatever thought comes to me, hit send, and it automatically sends it to that, uh, that spreadsheet and keeps track. And then every once in a while, I'll go back and review what came to me. So I was like, that is a super smart way to keep a notebook. It's really kind of like always on you. And, uh, and then you can sort things after I, I kind of have like little categories, like, especially for like comedy, whether it's like a stand-up joke or a sketch idea or something Evernote? like that. Evernote? So this is separate from Evernote too. Oh. <laughs> but oh, this okay. is, this is just using, uh, Google's features. Like, but I don't so know what Google Evernote drives. is. Evernote know, so. is, uh, is a different program that's just a, uh, like an app, uh, that's kind of like the notes app on your 
you know, Apple device. Well, that's my next question. Why not use the notes app? I do that too. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I use that a lot. Yeah. I use that a lot. This one is, uh, it, it's easier to kind of store and sort and you can actually like take clips. Like there's an Evernote, like clip grabber from the internet where you can take like a picture from that and throw it in. And it's just organized a little bit differently and you can really set up separate notebooks and everything like that. So I have a lot of show ideas in my Evernote and I have a lot of like improv ideas and stuff like that. I feel like low key, you're giving gold right now. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I don't know. I don't know. No, you're probably sitting there thinking, oh, this is like, you know, really dry. But like, yeah. I feel like you're giving gold on like different ways, mind you, to that, like you can actually organize whatever it is your to-do list. And like people more than ever now are organizing things. Mm-hmm. You've talked mm-hmm. about isolation earlier. I yeah. mean, like that's one of the things we're trying to do, which, which I'm looking around in the room I'm recording in this in and thinking this should be way more organized and cleaner based on what I've been doing for the past six yeah. months with the pandemic. I should have somehow found a way to make this more organized. But most people, I think, have taken an opportunity to try to find ways to organize right now. And I just, you know, I wouldn't have known about Evernote. Yeah. I mean, those are three different options. And again, I kind of just depending on ease of use and what frame of mind I am, I tend to I try to all do it in one place, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, this is quicker just to jot this down in notes or, or sometimes even if I'm driving, I'll hit like the, uh, the voice record function and just speak the idea out. And then when Same. I'm done driving, I'll transfer that over into an actual notebook. Yeah. That's my problem is if I don't transfer it, transfer it, I find it about two years later. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I yeah. remember that. I take notes all the time so I don't forget something, but I just don't refer back to them mm-hmm. because I didn't remember that I'd never transcribed it from one place to another. Right, so. exactly. You ever, you ever get ideas in the middle of the night too and you're just like, oh, my phone's here and I got to just type this down. And then, then the best part is when you wake up after and you're like, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, it literally happened to me, uh, well, as you know, because you texted me uh, or, or vice versa early. To, I think, yeah, you had. And I responded, it was like 6 a.m. here, but I had yeah. been up since 4 a.m. So like I woke up <laughs> just before that, which is technically the middle of the night, with an idea. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't written it down, but hopefully the fact that I'm saying it here, yeah. maybe I'll, I'm going to hear this You got to write it down or you'll forget. I know I'm going to. Right when we finish, I'm going to. But I'm going to, if I don't, I'm going to hear this back someday and go, oh man, I wonder what that idea was. <laughs> I wonder what that idea was. No, you know what it had to do with was I, I could, because there's all this talk about, you know, when shows will come back in person. It's how much appreciation I think we're going to feel for our audiences. And I think mm. we always do, but I mean, I feel like there's going to be such a greater sense of appreciation mm-hmm. that probably goes both ways from audience to performer and performer to audience. And I was thinking of a way that I could express that. Right. And that's what the idea was. Although oh, the idea is more specific, so I do have to write yeah. it down, but anyway, yeah. go on. Yeah. And I think you're right there too, because I think we're going to value those interactions because you know, it's something we took for granted and we didn't realize it could just go away instantly. You know, and once something's gone, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that could be gone. And now when it comes back, you're like, this could happen again one day, possibly. So let's cherish every moment we have to get to spend together in a real life live performance situation. Yeah, no, I'm excited to soak in those moments whenever, whenever they may be. We shall see. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, but uh, please, we're still building our audience. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, and if you are enjoying the show, tell tell a friend. 
I don't know, tell an enemy too. I don't care. Uh, just uh, we want to get more people to uh, to listen. Uh, so tell them about this podcast. Oh, we should be on every platform. You can find us, search us anywhere. Uh, if you're if we're not on the platform you prefer for some reason, let us know. We'll try and yeah. get on there. Uh, but uh, email us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. If you got a trivia question for me, put Matt in the title so that he knows to read it. And if you've subject. got a yeah, in the subject. And if you've got a riddle for Matt that you think will stump him, uh, put my name in the subject so I know to read it. And uh, if you've got just other things you want us to talk about, if you're curious about how we're keeping busy or, you know, what other note applications we're using, <laughs> drop us a line. That yeah. exit was unbelievable, man. I don't mean to cut you off. That, that, that whole, this is only episode 14. Mm-hmm. If you want to convince someone to listen to this, if you're listening and you want your friend, all you have to do is play that outro. It sounded like <laughs> you've done it a thousand times. I mean, the more you do something, I mean, that's what we're learning, and that's what we like to talk about on this. Uh, is uh, look at about him being process. humble. Listen to him. Listen to him being humble. <laughs> the guy was spitting gold for the last sixty minutes. Let's give him a little credit here, and let's <laughs> let's get this thing uh, on on all the platforms, which it already is. So let's get uh get it out to your friends as well. Yeah, and hit us up on social media, Mind Magic Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know we're there, and we'll we'll comment back to you. And, uh, yeah, hope you're enjoying it. And uh, we're thrilled that you're listening. And, uh, you know, we're building this small, mighty, and hopefully growing community. Absolutely. No, we certainly appreciate those of you who are here with us for the ride. We'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.